I'm Jamie Brenda, your host of the program, and uh, another exciting week ahead of us. It's kind of hard to believe that this is the last week of January in 2021, and it's the year is kind of zipping by, and hopefully uh, the next four, no, I don't really want the next four years to zip by so quickly uh, because I enjoy life, but boy, I, I hope it's only four years with Joe Biden because the damage he's done in the first four days he's been in office has been absolutely uh, mind-boggling. Of course, I know it's not Joe doing the damage so much. He has a bunch of cronies working behind the scenes with everything lined up uh, before he took office on January 20th and ready to implement um, all the damage possible as fast as they can. So anyway, um, boy, 2020 is starting to look really good. So compared to 2021, but let's just start out with a little news for the day. I'll, I'll get on to the Trump Tater Award later on in the show, but uh, I'm just uh, amazed on uh, mainly on this whole Antifa thing um, because there was multiple different articles th- this week. One of them was the uh, Wikipedia uh manager of content uh, resigned from his position because he was given so much hell over prohibiting another guy who was a pro Antifa person from managing the Antifa page. Um, And so this, this is why the world doesn't understand who Antifa is because we have organizations like Wikipedia that so many rely on to be able to go to and find out something about someone and so if you look on Wikipedia, I'll just pull up my photo screens that I took of Antifa on Wikipedia. Um, so it is, this is the definition that they give. Antifa, 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 however you want to say it, is a left-wing, anti-fascist, anti-racist political movement in the United States. It is highly decentralized and and, uh, comprises a array of autonomous groups that aim to achieve their objectives through the use of both nonviolent and violent direct action rather than through policy reform. Much of Antifa political activism is nonviolent involving posters and flyer campaigns, mutual aid, delivering speeches, marching and protest, and community organizing. They also engage in protest tactics, seeking to combat fascist and racist, such as neo-Nazis and white supremacists and other far-right extremist groups, and differing from other leftist oppositions by their willingness to directly confront far-right activists, and in some cases, law enforcement. This may involve digital activism, doxing, harassing, physical violence, and property damage against those whom they identify as belonging to the far right. So even when they phrase some of their violent activity, they do so in such a way that justifies their actions. And so just so I mean, just like uh, I mentioned a couple times on my program, just if I call myself skinny doesn't make me skinny because I'm not right now. And just because they say they're anti-fascist certainly doesn't make them anti-fascist. They are a fascist organization. And just because they, quote, only attack their far right neo-Nazis, you know, it's what is their definition? Well, their definition has evolved to the point that anybody who disagrees with them are fascist. And, uh, oh, <clears throat> my, my son is yelling in the background. One second, please. Nathaniel, I'm on my podcast. A, a little break of reality there. Um, so I- anyway, in Portland and in, in 
Seattle and Denver this past week on the inauguration. You had Antifa in the streets uh, being destructive and causing chaos. You had no news organization, ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, none of them reported on Antifa being there. And uh, so, again, most people in America don't understand what's going on. So Portland, um, well, no, let's go to Tacoma. Tacoma, Washington, had a, a street race, I guess is what they call them, where, you know, people align along the corners of a, a street to watch cars doing donuts and in a very, very fast uh, way. And so oftentimes they swing out and pedestrians or people watching bystanders can actually get hit by those cars. And it is dangerous. It blocks the traffic. And so some police came uh, because they got called to this event. And as the the police approached the event, um, all these bystanders surrounded the cops, the police car and started pounding on it. And uh, the policeman at that time, fearing for his safety, pushed through this traffic and did knock some people over. Um, and then everybody's yelling, you know, the police, did you see what the police just did? Is there videotaping, you know, the police pushing through and knocking people over in this traffic? He didn't peg it, but he did. He did push people that were right in front of his car over. Um, and so there's all this outrage against this police officer who came to do his duty um, for public safety and was attacked by all the people around him to the point where he felt if he continued to stay there, his life would be in danger. And I think it's a very valid point on his part, um, especially with what we've seen in recent months. So people are outraged by the police officer pushing through this crowd and actually running a couple of people over. It was very slow running over, but he did uh, run a couple of people over. And uh, so they're out there protesting in Tacoma over the weekend. Um, Antifa is, again, busting out the windows of all the the cars, all the um, cars in the parking lot, not the police cars, but the um, cars that people uh, employees in the and then in the windows and setting fires on uh, and then a few people uh, attempted to to intervene and stop in which they fights kind of erupted and uh, so that's what happened in Portland this weekend again we probably won't see it anywhere on the news um, in Seattle so I'll take you a little bit further in in Washington State so in Seattle the police all of a sudden are starting to be a little bit more aggressive in in uh, some of these uh, violent protests of Antifa. And you think, wow, finally, you know, well, it's because Joe Biden's in. However, you, you have to read this article further down because you see that even though the police are starting to arrest more, arrest people more, the district attorney still is not convinced he's going to prosecute anybody more. So out of all the activities that took place in Seattle uh, over the summer and all the destruction done, there were 600 people arrested, and very few of those 600 people were actually prosecuted um, because the, the judge or the district attorney there says, you know, I'm not going to prosecute people for a peaceful protest. I'm going, what was peaceful about any protest in Seattle over the last eight months? Um, if you look at all the different uh, businesses that have been destroyed the people that have been prohibited from living in their community safely and allowed free traffic, you know, free control of their streets of being able to come and go where they wanted. Um, and yet just a handful of the 600 people. And I, I'm just sitting here going, you know, these are the same 600 people probably recycling every event. Had they just held these 600 people accountable, they probably would not have had continued destruction for eight months straight. Um, so that's where we're going. And, uh, somebody, uh, compared the other day and Antifa and Black Lives Matter to the KKK. And when I first read that, and this person, I can't even remember who it was, but, uh, um, the comparison as I read it, I thought she's dead on. And, uh, so when we get back on the Trump Twitter, I kind of go over that analogy of what's happening with this combination of Black Lives Matter and Antifa 
combination. I definitely believe that the concept of Black Lives Matter was overtaken by this Antifa organization. Um, now the group, the actual affiliation or, or or entity Black Lives Matter, I think probably works in cahoots with Antifa. So when we get back on the Trump tater, I'm going to talk about this, the symbolic, uh, the things that are the same and how they use this terrorist activity to intimidate the people around them. So we'll be back on the Trump tater in just a minute. I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. Sebastian Gorka here. Maybe you've been hearing about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that helps a person's body deal with inflammation and pain. You've heard all the wonderful testimonials. Well, I have my own testimonial. For many years, my lower back pain was becoming a serious problem. The short story is, I finally gave it a try, and now I'm out of pain too. So if you're in pain, you can order the three-week quick start for just $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com. Hi, this is Dennis Prager, and we just launched a new PragerTopia membership called PragerTopia Unlimited. Members can listen to any and all audio programs that are in the Dennis Prager store. That's over 400 programs to choose from, show segments, talks, lectures, courses, even full access to all five books of my Torah teaching. For a limited time, an annual PragerTopia Unlimited membership is only $119. Join PragerTopia Unlimited today. Go to PragerTopia.com. If your credit card bills have gotten out of hand and you care about your credit, call Consolidated Credit now. If the interest rates on your credit cards are so high, it'll take years to get out of debt. Call Consolidated Credit now. They've helped over 6 million people with credit card debt. Without destroying your credit, they can consolidate your debts into one lower payment, reduce your interest rates, and get you out of debt fast. The program works. Call Consolidated Credit now. Call 800-406-0046. That's 800-406-0046. Consolidated Credit Counseling Services, Inc. 5701 West Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33313. Licensed by the New York Department of Financial Services and by the Vermont Department of Financial Regulation. Maryland DM 1492. Oregon DM 80092. Licensed by the Virginia State Corporation. Commission license number DC83. Service may adversely affect an individual's credit. Non-payment of debt may lead to additional finance charges or collections activity, including legal action. Not a loan company. Welcome back to the Trump Tater Program. Going to just kind of wrap up a little bit more on Antifa. And the reason I'm going to focus in on this is because um, the news media won't. Most Americans, surprising, I, I talked to a friend of mine the other day that called me after, um, well, was, I guess it's been a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I brought up Antifa. And she's like, who? And this is somebody that I would say is moderately informed. And it's definitely not necessarily on the left, kind of a, just a, a moderate in all directions. But she did not know who Antifa was. And, uh, and that's happened to me quite often. And so I, 
I can understand why there hasn't been the outrage because the average person just doesn't really know what's taking place. I mean, you had Portland on fire, burning with buildings being destroyed for almost 170 days straight and no media, uh, mainstream media organization would repeat on, uh, would report on it. Um, and you've had cities all over the, the nation being terrorized all summer long, and there's been very, very little to no reporting on it. Um, so anyway, the way that um, the KKK worked uh, back during the beginning of, of time after Reconstruction when they first came out, and uh, they basically terrorized, they burned down Black-owned businesses that were trying to start up and they terrorized Republicans. And so if you look at what's happened this summer, who has been most affected by the destruction of Antifa? It's been Black-owned businesses. It's been businesses in these downtown areas that have a predominant uh, minority communities and a significant ownership of minority businesses. And these are the, the businesses that have been destroyed all summer long. Um, throughout the, you know, Minneapolis and, and, uh, Chicago and Seattle and Portland and, uh, Atlanta. I mean, the list kind of goes on, on the destruction in these downtown areas. So, and the other thing is that Antifa wants to antagonize anybody who is quote, not on their political spectrum. So anybody they, 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 throw into the far-right category or neo-Nazis, anybody who supported Trump, uh, anybody who voted Republican. And uh, so that that's their tactic. So they definitely line up directly with those of the KKK. So this woman, when she made this comparison, uh, a lot of people attacked her on it, and then she articulated her reasonings behind it. And they kind of really goes hand-in-hand hand that uh, their tactics are definitely the same. Again, I, I'm going to stand up. There's a definite difference between Black Lives Matter as the cause and the people who went out there are actively trying to bring up a a, uh, a concept versus the organization. And then Antifa definitely went out there and exploited this group. And just as a reminder to people is the time frame of what happened. Um, Joe Biden went on. Uh, the Breakfast Club, which is most listened to Black American podcast radio program um, in America. And they had been trying to get Joe Biden on for some time with no luck. And uh, so Joe Biden finally is the nominee and he agrees to come on this podcast, even though every other presidential campaign uh, on the Democratic side had already been on this podcast. So Joe Biden finally shows up on this podcast a podcast, as my audience knows out there, is not a 10-minute interview. It's a, an hour. Sometimes if you look at Joe Rogan and some others, they can be two, three hours long. And uh, so Joe Biden's just into this podcast, 10 minutes, 12 minutes. And uh, Charlemagne the Guide called him out on his 1994 crime bills. And uh, so Joe Biden, instead of actually being accountable for the 1994 crime laws that he um, implemented and uh, and did so that directly impacted people of color more harshly um, than they did the rest of society and that they implemented more laws for a poor man's drugs versus rich man drugs. Um, instead, he, instead, he comes to the defense and says, well, the NAACP endorsed me <laughs> in one. So he didn't even try to acknowledge you know <clears throat> that um, that that law was detrimental to black americans and and uh so right after that he says well i've got to go and charlemagne the guide said what are you you're cutting black media short and uh joe says no i've got to go my wife's gonna you know she's gonna be on this next program and she's gonna be mad at both of us so charlemagne the guide said we have to have you back there's 120 days before this election and we have a lot of questions and Joe Biden points his finger almost as if, you know, the Bill Clinton, I did not have sex with that woman speech, you know, he points his finger and tells Charlemagne the God, if you even have to think about voting for me, you ain't black. Well, that did not set well in for black Americans. 
uh, first it rippled in the conservative com black community, and then it was rippling everywhere that uh, <clears throat> blacks were, in, were were really upset by this statement and the lack of respect that Joe Biden <coughs> showed for Charlemagne the God, who's the co host of this program. And so that happened on Friday. Well, three days later on Monday is when George Floyd was killed. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because timing is essential on why this went the way it did. Um, everybody in America, upon the seeing the videos of George Floyd, uh, everybody was up in arms. Nobody, Republican, Democrat in between, even police, you know, looked at that video. Now we know since then other things have came out. But I'm just talking about initial reaction. Initial reaction, the most everyone that saw that said this was wrong. And uh, as people went out and protested, I think most of us were hand in hand with these protests of, of black Americans being upset, but they were peaceful protests. But then if you really start watching and the news media did a horrible job covering this, I think they intentionally didn't cover that. You would see these Antifa people in the back of these protests and in the way, you know, they're Antifa and they're predominantly all Caucasian. These aren't black Americans in Antifa. These are predominantly all middle-class Caucasians, a few black Americans, but the majority are like 90% um, Caucasian middle-class college kids or just people they can pick up off the streets. So they, they're breaking down the windows and they're spray painting in the background. And you even see black protesters out there calling these people out on stuff saying you're you know you're doing this destruction and then the police are going to come in they're going to arrest people of our community that we're not doing this and so what they would do is they come in and they would cause this chaos they'd break out windows and then these antifa members would kind of sneak out of the protest and just ex, you know have ex, excite or incite this riot type behavior among those that were there to protest peacefully and uh, so, again, I see the direct connection that the Antifa came in and started the rioting to get people's mind off of what Joe Biden said, because the Democratic Party feels they own the black American vote. And uh, and they're scared to death of ever losing it, because if they lose the vote, one, it's the percentage that usually carries them over the top because black Americans vote 10 percent Republican, 90 percent Democrat. And two, if they lose the black American vote, the media can no longer frame every single issue that we do, every single cause that we try to find a solution for. They can't frame it around racism. And uh, so, again, as y'all listen to me, this is, you know, everybody's got to find their purpose and cause in life. And for whatever reason, 21 years ago, as I started down my journey, this has been my cause in life is to change the black American vote. Um, from 10% Republican, 90% Democrat to 30, 70, 40, 60. And this is how we're going to change America. And there's many reasons we need to do this. One, it's just the right thing to do. And two, it is really how we fix political system in our country. So we'll be back on the Trump Trumpator in just a minute. USA Radio News with Lance Pry. 17 executive orders later, House Minority Leader Representative Kevin McCarthy, Republican from California, is giving President Biden low marks after his first week in office, arguing only America's adversaries are benefiting from his executive orders. It's Russia, China, our adversaries who are benefiting, not the American people, he said of Biden's executive orders. China continues to force its will on Taiwan, this time Taiwan airspace, on Sunday by flying 15 fighter jets between mainland Taiwan and the Pratas Islands in the South China Sea. Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador announced Sunday evening that he's tested positive for COVID-19. Obrador tweeted that he has mild symptoms and is receiving medical treatment. 
The NFL Super Bowl teams have been determined. The Kansas City Chiefs versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be played February 7th on CBS. Thanks for listening. This is USA Radio News. If your credit card bills have gotten out of hand and you care about your credit, call Consolidated Credit now. If the interest rates on your credit cards are so high, it'll take years to get out of debt. Call Consolidated Credit now. They've helped over 6 million people with credit card debt. Without destroying your credit, they can consolidate your debts into one lower payment, reduce your interest rates, and get you out of debt fast. The program works. Call Consolidated Credit now. Call 800-406-0046. That's 800-406-0046. Consolidated Credit Counseling Services, Inc., 5701 West Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33313. Licensed by the New York Department of Financial Services and by the Vermont Department of Financial Regulation. Maryland DM 1492. Oregon DM 80092. Licensed by the Virginia State Corporation. Commission license number DC83. Service may adversely affect an individual's credit. Non-payment of debt may lead to additional finance charges or collections activity, including legal action, not a loan company. With virtually no opposition, we have a new Department of Defense leader. USA Radio News' John Clemens reports. The 67-year-old Lloyd Austin was granted a waiver that stated to serve as a Pentagon chief. That person would have had to have been out of the military for seven years. The four-star Army general spent over 40 years in uniform, retiring in 2016. He easily passed the vote in the Senate. The yeas are 93, the nays are 2, and the nomination is confirmed. With that vote, Austin, who once served as U.S. Central Command leader, becomes the first black chief at the Pentagon. Austin also promised to recuse himself from any decision involving Raytheon Technologies, where he was serving on the Defense Contractors Board of Directors. From the USA Radio News Texas Bureau, I'm John Clemens. The Defense Secretary oversees the Defense Department and acts as the principal defense policymaker and advisor. This is USA Radio News. Welcome back to the Trump Tater. I'm just going to kind of roll through some things that have happened this past week. Um, and I'm just going to do this by memory because I don't want to get, look into each one of them, but uh, things that Biden has done. One of the first things that Biden did that uh, just kind of to me is a telltale sign of what kind of man he is and what kind of administration he's going to run was he quickly, the first day in office, went back to um, lining the pockets of his supporters through what I consider a very corrupt uh, justice system procedure. And that is where our Justice Department can sue a company. And oftentimes these companies uh, settle out of court or settle before going through the full procedure. Um, and then whatever financial settlement is made can go directly to a nonprofit or an entity that supposedly aligns with whatever cause that this company sued by. And I think I brought this up the other day, but to me, this is one that we need to have on the front burner that we're calling this administration um, accountable for, because what this does is it really strengthens those very organizations uh, in a political that are very political organizations in a way that makes it very hard for us to compete against something like that. So say that there's a company that uh, are breaking environmental uh, issues. And so the, our government uh, justice department sues this company, they settle out a quarter, they go all the way through and they they're fined. And so millions of dollars uh, they agree to pay. And these millions of dollars, instead of going to the taxpayer accounts to help us further reduce uh, greenhouse gases or whatever it may go to, or just into the general budget, instead now goes to these non-leftist uh, organizations, or no, I shouldn't say non-leftist, these non-profit leftist organizations. Um, and this is dangerous. I mean, it'd be dangerous if it was done on the right. Um, boy, could you imagine if Trump did this during office? Um, the media would have gone crazy, but this was something that was implemented again right away. It was done the entire time in the Obama administration. And now the first day in back in office or first day in office, Joe Biden implements this again. So that's one of the, one of the many. So the, another one 
um, is a letter was sent to our ICE, our um, customs agents, basically saying to release every um, illegal immigrant that they have in their custody immediately. And so, uh, again, putting a lot of Americans uh, especially under coronavirus, I mean, you're putting a lot of people back out there uh, on the streets that perhaps have no um, place to go. And all of a sudden, our resources are being used to accommodate them versus other Americans that are or Americans that are struggling for places to live or resources. So, I mean, there's so many, so many different elements to this, but most importantly is most of these people will probably never report back in for any hearings that they have. And then on top of that, I mean, they're, they're really pushing this amnesty for anybody that was in the country as of January 1st uh, to get a quick pathway to citizenship. Uh, so that's another one. And then we have these people coming from South and Central America migrating up in these caravans that initially Joe Biden you know, said, well, y'all better turn back around. And perhaps because they're the ones that were funding these, you know, these caravans, maybe they had influence over, but it looks like now they're going to allow them to come into our country, which will encourage more caravans to come um, when Americans themselves are struggling with employment and other financial issues. So that's another one. Um, the Keystone Pipeline that uh, he's cut off. And on top of actually cutting a million American jobs, probably with some of these decisions he's made on uh, our oil and gas industries, um, it's actually more detrimental to the environment because this oil will probably now be shipped to China and other places, which gives the possibility of environmental issues a lot higher. So it doesn't even help the environment by cutting off the Keystone Pipeline. So that's another big one that is definitely going to impact. And you look at some of the Native Americans that have drilling on their um, reservations that uh, they're being held back from that. And so there's some, and New Mexico's upset. I mean, there's a lot of uh, these states that supported Joe Biden that all of a sudden are up in arms because he's cutting good paying jobs from their communities. Uh, getting us back in the Paris Climate Agreement. I mean, uh, all these things that uh, just immediate ones that, uh, and some especially on the on the oil, you know, oil and gas um, that he, you know, spoke out of both sides of his mouth. And one side he said, "No, I'm not going to cut those." And the other side, he said he was in the debates. You know, he said that wasn't the direction. But now we know the direction that. Uh, that he is going in and it's definitely going to be a job killer for anybody in the oil and gas industries. And it's going to raise the amount that we pay for um, our gas and for other products that contain petroleum. So in, anyway, it just um, all these things are definitely uh, going to impact Americans and the quality of jobs and our lifestyle, but uh, that doesn't seem to be an issue for him. So just a couple of fun things on coronavirus. I mean, it's miraculous that all of a sudden Chicago's up and opening up restaurants and all these democratic led states that uh, had everything completely shut down like California that within days of Joe Biden becoming president, they've all of a sudden decided that they're going to open up their economies or people can, get out of these lockdowns and nothing's based on science because these communities are some of the highest communities for coronavirus. But uh, the magic thing of Joe Biden getting in office all of a sudden, I guess, you know, allows them to uh, view science differently than they did a few weeks ago. Uh, some of the states, again, that are the most effective states at running uh, the vaccine clinics and getting people vaccinated quickly, Texas is on number one. Florida is right up there. I mean, all these states that are predominantly uh, Republican-led states are implementing the vaccine uh, distribution very efficiently and uh California is at the bottom uh, of that as far as effective uh, administration. New York, again, within the first couple of weeks, they had to dispose of 66% of their vaccinations because of poor distribution. 
uh, Utah, which I would not consider Republican led anymore where I'm from. I consider it more Democratic led with Governor Cox, but uh, very, I would say his moderate distribution of the vaccination, very poor leadership in a lot of ways. And he always, I kind of was bummed out the other day because Cox had the audacity to use my analogy and the analogy, I guess, of others that are starting to see the Hunger Games uh, in action here because Cox made the comment that it shouldn't be like the Hunger Games to get vaccinations um, and competing for that. So I kind of hated to see Cox try to use that analogy because to me, he is part of the elite class up there watching the the, the lower class people fighting for um the different things that they're in need of. And so uh, the Cox still hasn't uh, effectively distributed the vaccinations that he's received. And so trying to put the monkey on the back of the federal government on not sending all the vaccinations needed, I, I think proper distribution would be the area that, that uh, Governor Cox ought to focus in on. So anyway, just to kind of amazing to look around on the, the, the states that are, running the most efficiently on some of these things are Republican-led states. And the states that are doing so poorly, again, are the Democratic-ran states, which goes to my issue with uh, Black Americans and some of the suffrage that they've had in some of um, the areas where they feel so much despair and hopelessness. These are Democratic-ran cities and states and the policies. We've got to focus in. And so we've got to be able to reach out and, uh, and and make this our top priority on on connecting with our fellow Americans, uh, f- Black Americans, and and having them pull in and help help them understand that uh, it's the policies. All the money in the world can be poured on these situations, and if they're ineffective, it's just going to be money wasted. Um, and just like on education, which again, that I've pointed out that I see as the cancer, the cause of the cancer that hurts so many in the communities of color. Um, if they're not going to be given choice and freedom of choosing where their kids go to school and finding better alternatives, that they're never going to be able to really overcome the the cancer because the education is the cause of the cancer there. So anyway, we'll be back on the Trump Tater. The hour's gone by quickly. We'll have one more segment, so we'll see you back on the Trump Tater in just a minute. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Stock market have you nervous with all the massive fluctuations? With the hope for a COVID vaccine on the rise, shifting political landscape, and the election at an end, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. With Vantage Point, you don't have to. Text MONEY to 411411 to find out how our technology can forecast market trends up to three days in advance with incredible accuracy. Text MONEY to 411411 to get what you need to stay ahead of market trends and find explosive moves before they happen. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. Stop guessing. Start predicting trends 72 hours in advance. Text MONEY to 411411 and experience Vantage Point for free. Text MONEY to 411411 so you can protect and grow your capital now. Don't wait. Text MONEY to 411411. Go to vantagepointsoftware.com for terms, conditions, and privacy policy. I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. 
Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy! With a recession ending, if you've been putting off building your business, now is the time to act. General Steel will meet or beat any price on a pre-engineered steel building of the same size and specifications. Act now before steel prices go up. So call us today for free information. Call 800-965-1290. Hi, this is Stan Ellsworth. You know, I know a little bit about history. I mean, me and that Harley and all. But social media, well, that's a mystery to me. So I turned to the good folks at Little Cloud. They helped me develop my social media. They call it an online footprint. I'm a pretty big guy. Little Cloud, they've created a pretty big online presence for me. Let them help you. Visit their website. Visit my friends at littlecloudmedia.com. Welcome back to the Trump Tater. I'm Jamie Rendon. We're going to just kind of wrap up the the news of the week. One of the ones that uh, I will give my Trump Tater of the Day award out to is Senator Rand Paul. And uh, if if you missed it, get on the internet and watch this dialogue between George Stephanopoulos and Senator Rand Paul. So again, a reminder: always try to throw this out one time during. My program, a Trump dater is someone who outclasses, outshines, outperforms, defeats someone or something, a dependable and exemplary person. And Senator Rand Paul definitely um, fit that in his conversation with George Stephanopoulos, which George over and over and over again tried to get Senator Paul to say the election was not stolen. Now, Senator Paul never came out and said the election was stolen, though he wanted to. But had he, he would have been probably prosecuted somewhere in our crazy country of ours that we're no longer allowed free speech and saying that we believe the election was stolen. But he brought up multiple different incidences in which he feels um, there was some unconstitutional changes made. Uh, by people in different government in different positions, like in Pennsylvania and others, where the people who had the responsibility and obligation to make any changes in elections was the legislatures, but then the attorney generals or secretary of states made those changes. Also, on ballots that would not have been counted in previous elections, that only had ten thousand ballots in one state alone, only had Joe Biden on it versus you didn't see any that just had Trump on it, but ten thousand ballots that strictly had Joe Biden on it, that normally those those ballots would be thrown out, but not in this election. There was tens of thousands of ballots, mail-in ballots that did not have a return address on it. Normally those ballots would be thrown out, but not in this election. Uh, the list went on and on of concerns that Senator Paul had on election uh, laws that uh, were not followed and protocols that were not followed to the tune of hundreds of thousands of votes. And um, and do I feel that that made a change in the election specifically because it happened to be in five states that all of a sudden stopped counting at uh, a certain time of the night that almost seemed like a coordinated effort um, in which President Trump was ahead by a significant margin in those five states. And then miraculously overnight that those five states managed to overcome the significant lead. And by overcoming it, it was it was mathematically almost impossible. And in the votes that came in were so disproportionate. Joe Biden um, in such high numbers. And again, with these votes that were only Joe Biden marked on the ballot or these mail-in votes that uh, ballots that came in with no addresses on it or um, anyway, a lot of, a lot of questionable things that should be looked at. And so uh, Rand Paul was not suggesting that, you know, we should undo the election or anything like that, but we should go back and look at what happened and, and uh, make sure that we correct this. But George Stephanopoulos over and over again, try to, 
get Rand Paul to say the election was not stolen. And uh, so basically Rand Paul put it right back at him and said, you know, you, the journalist, a true journalist would just say, I'm going to listen to this opinion and I'm going to listen to this opinion, let our audience, you know, kind of decide or I'm gonna, and, and understand that there's two sides to everything. And a journalist would moderate those two sides. But where Rand Paul kind of put it back on George Stephanopoulos is the journalists are no longer doing that. They're calling one side liars and the other side, they're fully embracing the story without any true um, research. So unfortunately, we had people like Bill Barr, who did no real investigative effort into the election um, as attorney general, uh, make a statement that there was not enough um, voter fraud to overturn the election. And how would he know The our Justice Department didn't do anything? So it certainly hurts our cause when we have people like Bill Barr and others who lend them credibility to this cause. So anyway, regardless if it was or was not stolen, there were some things in the election process that needs to change, and we need to make sure it does not happen again to give people confidence in our election procedures. So we p see people now like Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani that they're trying to go after their license uh, to practice law, which is very, you know, back in the McCarthyism, you know, trying to destroy people's way to earn money or and uh, disbar people. On top of that, um, Dominion voting, you know, all these, you know, um, during the time in which Dominion was accused of voter fraud, they wouldn't even show up to a hearing to back up or defend themselves. But now that Joe Biden's in office, all of a sudden Dominion is is filing lawsuits against Sidney Powell and, and, and uh, Rudy Giuliani and others. Uh, so we got to make sure that we're standing up and helping them in these defense uh, to fight this so we can make sure that Dominion is having to actually prove their allegations um, and allow the proper investigation into whether the machines can be you know, tampered with, which we already see that they can be. So I think it's going to be very hard for Dominion to file this lawsuit. But I think it's predominantly to scare um, people off of, of being able to pursue this further. And so the Dominion machines continue to be used in states. So Anyway, we've got to help, you know, realize this fight's not over and make sure that we continue this fight until we get Dominion voting machines out not being used and, uh, and correct some of the things that went wrong during this election cycle. Okay. Um, oh, there's a couple of other stories in the back of my mind that I wanted to, uh, to hit. I'm trying to think of what they were before we end. Oh, Bill Maher. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Bill Maher, but uh, Bill Maher on occasion does say something kind of smart. And one of the things that he is out there, he's saying racism in America is not the huge problem that the media and others are trying to make it out to be. And sometimes these um, regulations and protocols that actually the Trump administration just did away with um, are actually more harmful than helpful. And he's even had many black friends of his approach him and tell him that uh, it really heightens this sensitivity of race in the workplace and makes it very awkward uh, for blacks in the workplace. So I don't know what the answer is out there, but I, I do agree with him sometimes when we talk about, I think you ought to have some definitive workplace discrimination things taught. Uh, but if you harp on these over and over again, then it definitely can be more detrimental than helpful. I know a friend of mine works for Delta Airlines, and uh, she told me that uh, they're, they've just almost become draconian in their constant uh, harping on, um, on racism, that they want half their employee base to be black Americans. And again, I'm all for lifting up any black Americans. I have no issue with that. I definitely feel that we need to have more black Americans experience the American dream of entrepreneurship and uh, have great jobs. So they, they can experience the greatness of America that many maybe have not experienced due to living in democratic cities and democratic States. Uh, I suggest that maybe 
more really try to fill, uh, you know, live the American dream in a, a Republican state. But uh, anyway, uh, some of these corporate big corporations are becoming very um, draconian in their efforts of forcing people's thought processes. But uh, I have another friend of mine that uh, looks like he may lose his job at uh, one of these airlines because that uh, if his um, voice outside of work that he's tried to keep, you know, definitively separate from his work, but because it doesn't align with their thought processes that he may end up losing his job. It's very unfortunate. I mean, what we're seeing happening with the number of people who are losing their ability for free speech, uh, even outside of the workplace. The last thing I think I'll hit on, because I forgot to do this earlier, is another thing that the Biden administration quickly undid, and that is because of their big ties with pharmaceutical companies. Uh, President Trump had promised to lower the, the drug cost for Americans who suffer from diabetes and other illnesses that require daily medications that are very expensive. And so he forces uh, pharmaceutical companies to lower their prices. And uh, Joe Biden, one of the fir- very first things he did was undo President Trump's order on this. And uh, for all, all of you out there who have families that suffer from diabetes, uh, you should be hitting hit, you know, calling your congressman, emailing and telling Joe Biden to not undo this uh, order that President Trump gave on these uh, medications to be lowered. So anyway, we'll be back on the Trump Titter tomorrow to see what else Joe Biden does today that impacts the lives and quality of American people. 